You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. This week's guest does it all. She is a two-time award winner for Best Choreographer. Uh, she has produced shows on Broadway, Off-Broadway, and Disney+. Plus. And nowadays, she is spearheading new works. One, uh, in particular, is really exciting because we get to work al uh, alongside one another in a new project called Truth, a non-fictional choreo poem i am thrilled to welcome to take a bow this week josie bray hi josie hi eli oh my <laughs> gosh i'm so excited okay so for everyone that doesn't know josie and i met at well she was one of the lead producers uh, on trevor so josie i and was yeah i've known each other for for quite some time now and uh now I get to she's she's kind of um recruited me to join the other side of the table so I'm I'm very excited to learn all about that there is a fun fact about me which I will share with you share. my name is Josie it's not Josie oh my gosh I know I so many people, the pronounce wrong wrong. Name? people who have known me for 20 years pronounce it wrong oh my it's god got, yeah it's got a soft s oh my god I'm so sorry how, it's okay. How never I'm just letting you know. That? How did well, I never know that? It's very rare that you introduce me, Eli. You just well, did. I guess that's like, true. Oh, right. we'll just fix that right now. Josie, oh my god, <laughs> I got it. I got it, everyone. I'm so sorry. I feel so bad. That's like my number one thing. Like I'm so bad with names, and like my anxiety from doing these is literally the pronunciation of like names oh you know what it's all good so many people I just like I'm like well if I was pronouncing someone's name wrong who I liked a lot I would want them to tell me yes so absolutely. I just tell people oh my god <laughs> and, and it does not hurt my feelings it's very subtle but it's Josie good to know like I usually ask all the guests like beforehand like I check in but I was like oh I know this one I don't I need to check it. in I, I got the pronunciation <laughs> hello um anyways i'm the worst so um let's just get into this thing you're um, not the worst you're good <laughs> thank you the way i usually like to to start these things is really starting at the beginning and and asking you you know like how did we get here like what inspired you to just want to get into this industry and mm -hmm. want to be someone to to tell stories Oh, well, I always loved dance. I was, I, I did dance and theater in high school, but um, I, um, I went to Emerson College, which is in Boston, and I studied dance there, but like partway through my dance training, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, but wait a minute, I missed the storytelling part because, you know, the, con the concert dance world works more in sort of um, abstractions, right? Ab abstract movement. Yeah. And I really loved the way that movement helped tell stories. So my dances were always a little bit more theatrical. Um, and then my senior year of college, um, one of my professors asked if I would like to choreograph a musical that he was directing. Mm. And I said, yes. Um, and the rest is history. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. That's amazing. So did you go to college for commercial dance? No, I went to college for modern dance. I went oh, to modern. college for experimental dance. So I was wow. trained like, and, and um, dance programs were changing at that time. So my, the program at my college was like one of the last ones that did like classical modern dance, like Martha Graham technique, Cunningham, Limon, 
that's what I was trained in. And, and dance programs at that time were starting to change into the way they are now, which is more, the training is more, um, I mean, at the time they called it release technique, but the, the training has become much more um, fluid in terms of shapes, you know, okay. like Martha Graham, it's like, you know, all about contractions, right? The shapes are very angular and then dance programs now have shifted into a whole other kind of vocabulary. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so I was, I was trained as a dancer and then, um, and I was like, okay, this is great, but like, I like stories. And so I, then I started shifting into musical theater and it was really funny, like in my early professional life, um, John Ambrosino, who, you know, and I started working together. And when we first started working together, um, we were working on musicals and it, we would be like the beginning of the number. And I would be like, okay, for this piece. And he was like, that's so funny, Josie. We don't call them a piece. We call that a number. And I'm like, oh I was just like God. so used to dances. Right. Where like dances, you call it, oh, this dance piece, you know? Oh, that's so funny. Um, so like that took me years to get out of the habit of calling things a piece and shifting back over to like, no, no, this is a musical number, you know? Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Crazy. So See that was how I started. Yeah. See, kids, you don't have to go to college for musical theater. You know, you, 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 you do, do not. all the things and you still do not. love it. Um, wow. That's been really like, like focused a lot at that time on new work. Like, and so like my senior year, I kind of like moved into, I did like a dual track, like dance and theater. Okay. And, um, you know, there were like devising courses and that sort of thing. And I, I got my grad work in theater education. I thought I was going to be a theater teacher and I have done that. I mean, I've taught college, you know, but for a few years I was teaching middle school and high school theater. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I got like all this training in devising and new work. And so I, really truthfully, I've done new work from the beginning. I mean, I did a few years where I choreographed existing musicals, but right. I've been making work from scratch since I was in college. I love it. It's so fascinating. It's really um, fun. Yeah, exactly. And I think new works just I mean, we've had the conversation about how new works excite each of us in in all the ways. Um, I, I love it. So uh, I've got to ask is like, you know, you I've been fortunate enough to like have a actually most of my like recent guests I would say like three out of the four um have kind of started as performers and then they've transitioned into this other space in the industry you know that mm. there's so many fields of our our industry that people like forget about and um I think it's really cool that you obviously started as a performer and then kind of went to both choreography uh you you got, you've dabbled in directing I mean producing all of the things so like what was that transition like for you was it did you kind of have to relearn anything or did your approach kind of stay the same? Um, how did, how was that transition for you? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, I grew up in a really rural place yeah. and, um, you know, I, I loved my music and theater teacher and my dance teacher, but we were like in the middle of nowhere, you know? <laughs> and so I didn't grow up going to a fancy conservatory with really strict training, yeah. So, you know, when I got to college, I was like, I mean, I love the people I trained with when I was a kid, but it, I, I was behind in a way, you know, Right. but how I've always been really strong as I've always been really smart and I've always been a natural leader. You know, I, I was like president, of a bunch of clubs in high school <laughs> and I'm tutored and stuff like that's always been just a, a natural role for me. And I studied um, education. So I, you know, I was really kind of used to running groups of people and being in charge of groups of people. Sure. So when I became a dancer, I, I struggled with a lot of the training. I mean, what's great now is like as a teacher, because my, because my dance training was not super solid when I was a young person, when I was super young, um, that makes me a really good teacher because I had to learn things. You know, I, I wasn't naturally talented as a dancer. I had to really work to become a good dancer. And uh, truthfully, you know, there were times when I struggled, but I wouldn't take a moment of that back because I've learned so much. I understand the body so well, mm. and I'm pretty good at communicating it to people who might not understand because I know I can relate. Right. Um, 
but very early on in my dance training, we had to take choreography classes and right away I like, I just gravitated toward them. Like I loved, I loved directing people. I loved directing dancers. I loved creating stories for me. Um, well, I think theater is like one of our oldest ways of communicating as human beings. I think it's like, it's so human. It's like when, when what we did was, you know, like kill a thing and roast it over a fire and then we would gather around the fire and we would tell stories and we would sing and we would dance, you know, we right. would make theater for each other. It's like, it's so, it's intrinsic to who we are. Yeah, so it was pretty early on for me that I was like, Oh no, I, you know, I will, I will be in other people's stories, but I'm really interested in having a, a clear hand and a, and clear guidance in terms of what is the story we're telling and who do we want to share it with? Right. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I think that, uh, I, I don't know for, for the longest time, I mean, granted lately and, and just recently we've all gotten more, um, I guess, open-minded and willing to have conversations. Uh, but I feel like for the longest time, those like heavy conversations were mm-hmm. only brought on by art and by theater. Um, and yeah. so it, it's interesting to, to kind of hear you kind of say that in the sense of like, that was the main source of, you know, dealing with things or, or, or making things up, you know, creating things. Yeah. And it's a really great way to help start conversations. Like sometimes people aren't willing to talk, just talk, talk, but you can be like, okay, but what about that story? Like what what about that character, you know, which can help people like start to get the wheels turning, you know, in terms of how whatever they might've witnessed with those characters on stage might affect them as well or affect the world around them. Right. So, so let me ask you, like, how do you approach, so as, uh, you know, whether it be a choreographer, whether it be a producer, um, how do you sort of, I don't know, get on board of it all? Because it's not like, for you with new works and everything like that, it's not traditionally like you have to audition because a lot of these ideas are coming from you. Um, So I'm curious to like, how does it work in just, you know, jump starting it all for you. Yeah. Well, you know, good news, bad news. My brain is wildly creative. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I, I am both blessed and cursed by that. <laughs> totally. I love it. But we all love it. We all love the brain of Josie Brown. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, usually um I you know, I'm I read a lot. I take in a lot of current events. I've always been really social and pretty Mm. political. Um, And essentially, you know, I'm like chewing on something and and, and often in conversation with friends or other artists about it, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Let's make a play about this. (laughs) Right. Right? Like, you know, where is there a story here that we could share with people? And that's, that's really been the, what has Mm. driven me. And I've gotten also, I mean, you know, we go through different phases in our careers. And so I would say, you know, in my twenties, um, I sort of did the thing that a lot of college professors will say this, right? Like, Like take anything, take anything, take everything, take all the things. And that worked for me for a while. It was a really great way to get a lot of experience and meet a lot of people and it's how I have met some of my dearest friends and collaborators now. Mm. But now I'm in my 40s. I've got a kiddo. I, you know, and I'm, uh, I'm much more now like, okay, I only have a certain amount of energy and a certain amount of time. I am going to be really specific about the kinds of projects I want to make. I know that I want to make new work. And I'm particularly interested in new work that... Um, highlights or amplifies the voices of people who have not had that opportunity or who have been systemically oppressed or systemically marginalized. Um, That's just what's interesting to me. And it's, I don't think all people need to be interested in that. It is what I'm interested in. And so that's where I tend to gravitate in, in terms of stories. So, you know, I'll be 
curious about something, I'll read a book about it and then I'll be like, huh, I wonder if that could turn into a musical and then I'll just look <laughs> into the rights. Like- <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you, because I don't, I don't want to say there's like an unwritten rule of like, you know, producers, ha- you know, have their space and then the, the creative team of like the director, choreographer, all of that have their space. As someone who is kind of just naturally gifted with all of those things, is it hard in, in a rehearsal process per se? Like even take Trevor, for example, to remind yourself, oh, like today this I'm wearing the producer hat where if you're sitting in a rehearsal, you you can't like jump up there and be like, oh, I think the choreography should be this and like do something. Oh, that's sort so of funny. I, you know, I think that maybe would have been a struggle for me as a younger person. Mm. But when you put together a team of really talented people, like the yeah. team of Trevor, I mean, you build an amazing trust with those people over time. And so, you know, like, Mark Rooney, Josh Prince, Dan, Julianne, they're brilliant. Right. So, and so there's a, a beautiful collaboration and trust with those artists. And, you know, I, I will say, you know, not all producers have been in the artistic realm. So I do think one of the strengths I bring to a process is, is I am a creative, you know, I'm a producer, mm-hmm. but I'm a creative producer. And so I, I really like it. The idea does not have to be mine. Right. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it's often better if it's not, (laughs) you know, the, the beautiful thing about theater is it is inherently collaborative. The thing we make is better with all of us than just one person dominating or one person having all the ideas. Mm -hmm. And then when you've built that trust, then when you bump into something that you disagree about, there's a, there's a relationship in which you can have that conversation and trust each other. Like, okay, you know, I, I vote over here. I vote over here. And then eventually we have to come to a decision, you know, Right. but, um, but yeah, mo- mostly I, I'm just like delighted to work with extremely talented people and really talented people are also often, um, willing to take suggestions right so it's Hmm. so it's not like oh i want to jump up there and do blah 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 but you know you can watch the person's work and be like hey have you thought about this right or you know this this issue seems to keep coming up what do you think would be the best solution there you know totally wow interesting i always wonder that because i was like i want to be a producer but i feel like that would be like too difficult for me to like uh, not you like, would want to my... hop in there too much 100 100%, 100%. and not only like i don't know like i obviously don't want to give like notes or anything but like i like to be in control and so um you know i feel like that would be super like i don't know have to learn how to to manage all of that well it's an interesting experience to be in a producer role because the buck does stop with you. Like mm. you have to make sure everybody's doing their job. Right. Right. So you have to make sure everybody's doing their job. If you jump in and do other people's job, then you're not <laughs> going to be able to do your job, which is making sure right. that everybody's doing their job. To- totally. <laughs> right. So yeah. like I, my role and, and that's the role on this piece too, on truth. You know, my role is to continually build conversations with my team to -hmm. make sure everybody knows what they need to do and that if they don't know what to do or if they need support that I can give them support I mean you know I just had a little check-in with you before this meeting right before this right it's like okay just checking in do you know that this is what the next step is and this step and this step have you done those things right where are you what still needs to be done that is more the role is to really understand because the getting the thing to move like all of the pieces need to work at once Mm. and this person over here isn't necessarily paying attention to this person over here to see if they're ready at the same time so something that my you know being in that producer role is like okay all right people What's happening over there? What's happening over there? Are we all ready to go? Because we can't go until we're all ready to go. Mm. 
totally. Now, like, did you learn all of this? I, I, I don't want to say this was your first, but I think this is your first producing venture, like during your the 2009 revival of Ragtime. Um, was that kind of? Oh, I was your... assistant director on that project. Oh I my god! <laughs> I thought you were producer on that. Nope. What? No, oh I was god. Marcia Milgram Dodge's assistant, and Josh Walden was her associate. I was their assistant. Oh my god! Wait, I'm obsessed. I didn't even know. So wait, how did you even like? figure out this whole system to produce it oh well john and i had had a small little theater company in boston before i moved to new york right so we had produced um musicals we had produced revivals of musicals and sort of um interesting takes on revivals of musicals for years in boston and before that i'd had my own dance company in boston so when i was making work so that's when I say I've been making new work for 20 years, like I started making concert dance. And when you make concert dance, you're the choreographer, but you're also the producer. Right. So, I mean, I started producing my own work, literally my first year out of college, it would have been 2001. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, once you move to bigger projects like Off-Broadway and Broadway, it's the same thing. It's just bigger. Right. Like the budgets are bigger. The mistakes are bigger the triumphs are bigger <laughs> right it's just that like you're not stapling together a mattress at four in the morning which john mm -hmm. and i did one time in the early aughts right because our set designer didn't do the thing instead you're like sitting in a huge theater with another big problem right yeah. and the problem is a lot more expensive and a lot more time consuming but it's still like mistakes happen on all levels it's troubleshooting on all levels yeah. Oh my gosh. Because yeah. like, I, I always say that like as a performer, even like Broadway is just the same as anywhere else. Like you're, you're performing, you're there to do a job. You're there to tell a story, you know, right. like, it, and honestly it's bigger in the sense of budgets and everything, but oftentimes like you're playing at bigger houses, like regionally, like the Broadway sure. theaters aren't that big. No, um, a lot of people don't know that they're pretty small and they're old, you know, there's not an ability right. to like, oh, let's just renovate this. Like that's right. not happening. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, unless there's a pandemic and they actually use the time to, to do the good things. But, Correct. Um, <laughs> Which you know. some people did. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, that's another conversation for another day. Um, <laughs> so, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Um, I, I probably should have said that, but that's fine. Um, let's talk about Trevor because uh, you know I I'm just I, I I love revisiting it you know and having and friends and and people on from that show, um and, and you talk I, I mean we could still stay in this conversation like you talk about taking these calculated risks and all these mistakes and all these things. So like with a show like Trevor, which is, you know, is now on Disney plus, like it's, it's kind of like it's gained awesome. such a large following. And, and obviously with the Trevor project and all of these great things, you know, like it's a recognizable show. So, um, you know, talking about the calculated risk, there's a lot of calculated decisions that go along with that from, you know, when to start the reading and then doing this out of town tryout. And then even like, what do we do next? Do we do another out of town? Do we do another off? Do we do an off Broadway run? Do we wait for a Broadway house? Like all of these things kind of were happening and I kind of watched that process. So I'm curious to ask you now, like, how how did those decisions kind of get made? Is it really the four of you producers that um, kind of just say, hey, this is the route? Is it talking to the directors and all of this, like looking for availability? Like how just, there's so many things that factor into it. Why don't, can you explain, um, yeah. I guess, some of those that people may not understand? Sure. I mean, the answer to everything that you said is yes. Like the answer, <laughs> it's, it's D, all of the yeah. above. Great. It's like literally all of those things. I know so, there was so much in there that I was like, how do I phrase this? Yeah. So, so, you know, and, and I will say like, you know, on my next projects, it, the process will probably be different because more people will know who I am. Oh, yes. So it, it, like a lot of it also has to do with who you know and who, like, mm. who do you have relationships with? Because there's a shows that open in New York tend to do better if they've opened at a nonprofit out of town. That's just 
the statistics, but just how it goes. So we always knew that we were hoping to open somewhere out of town. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're, they're more likely to succeed if they open at a regional theater versus opening commercially out, out of town. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't ex- exceptions, right? But so we were, we were looking for a nonprofit theater that would be willing and excited to host Trevor. And we were in conversation with a number of different theaters. Um, as you can probably imagine, people choose their seasons quite a bit ahead of time. Right. So when you're in the kind of, there's the early development stage where you're trying to get a script and you do these readings. And at some point you want to do a reading in New York so that some people in New York can see that the thing has promise. Mm. And then also, hopefully, <laughs> you get people to come to that reading right? To be able to help you move it to another place, ah, right? Yeah. To help, like, might be able to help you, like, get it into it into a regional theater if that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So we had been, we've been talking to a bunch of different theaters. Um, and then... Um, Di Glazer, who is Mark Bruni's agent, oh, she said, you know, there's this theater outside of Chicago, and um, you guys might be interested in my gosh. these folks. And so we, um, we flew down and met them, you know, and we hit it off right away. The team this is there. writers, right? This is Writers Theater. Oh, yeah, okay. Writers. I I didn't know if there was like one before that or what. Okay. No, no, we had we'd t- been talking to some other theaters too, but like the the how it happened to happen this time. Yeah. Like how we happened to get at Writers was that Mark Bruni's agent had someone in common at the Writers Theater, and so it and it was really a it was again it's a relationship thing, right? So mm. she had a relationship with someone there. They had um, not done an enhanced production yet. An enhanced production is when a regional theater produces something that has commercial intentions. Right. The Writers Theater, I don't know if you know this, but before Trevor opened, the Writers Theater had been in a bookstore and had been in a tiny little bookstore. So like they they were, it was their first or second season in their new space. Mm -hmm. So to do a, a show that was intending to move to New York commercially. That was like an exciting thing for their new space. Right. And then to do it that like, they also really wanted to work with newer producers. They were excited that we were kind of new on the scene, you know, new on the commercial scene. Like John and I had been producing for a long time, but we were, we were new in terms of New York producers. Um, so they were excited about that. And then the, of course they were excited about the story and then they were excited about the writing. And so like yeah. all of those things lined up. Sure. And then that just became a series of, you know, beautiful relationships that still continue today. Oh my God. I you know, like it. Kate LaPuma, the yes. director, she's awesome. Right. And oh, my we, queen. we continue, my queen. <laughs> my queen. Shout out Kate so if you're listening. Um, like we continue to have a wonderful relationship with them. Right. And so- yeah. That's that is how it happened this time, right? You no, know, it and you kind of with each project you're trying to find like okay who are the right people for this project who's the right fit who's the right audience you know yeah the audience in Glencoe loved Trevor and also um, the Writers Theater did a really great job of being able to get some school performances so we had like very early on and you remember Eli because oh yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> Like I actually love the school performances. I will say I don't like waking up, but once I'm there, <laughs> I'm there, man. Like I love those. <laughs> I live for those. Are you kidding? I saw one of them, and the kids were just so they go nuts. They yes. went nuts, and like an intermission, they would be like, "What's gonna happen? Oh my god, what's gonna happen? I'm so yeah. stressed." I love it. It's so cool. So good. I know that always, you know, like they're so energetic, you know, so early in the day. Um, But it's great because, you know, we we thrive and feed off of that. So (laughs) it's very much appreciated. Um, But no, like Trevor, the story and everything, like it, 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 
speaks to so many people and it's it you know it really is something really special the the whole story the travel project yeah like everything about that family was just from day one you kind of just felt like we this is this is something special and this is gonna be something special um and it was just an honor to be a part of it so i i loved um you know how it all fell into place is pretty pretty neat to learn about with mark bruni and his agent um so let me ask you this now and and i guess this is like maybe people know this maybe people don't know this but even after like so we did the run at at glenclaw at, at writers and the out of town and then there was still then it went to another reading you know and there were still um i guess th- there was an there it felt as though there was a need to continue to write the story and and fine-tune things um so shows don't really you know don't really freeze until like they open on Broadway. Um, so how does that kind of like impact you as a producer where things are kind of changing last minute and maybe you need to throw in, you need to move things around to make that happen. How, how does that kind of affect you uh, with the director or writers adding new pieces and things like that? Does it? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, um, one of you know hopefully you've been able to workshop it enough so that the changes you're making by the time you're opening in New York are small and Uh, the reason for that is if you've already moved into tech in New York and you have to make a big change that's going to be really expensive right right so like we did make um not a big change but a a decent uh, uh, we made a design change um, in Trevor after uh, like the original, when we opened in New York, originally that, um, that dream dance sequence mm. was going to be um, dresses, like almost like a prom, prom dresses from the eighties. Stop it. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. That was originally what we were going to do. And oh then God. we, <clears throat> so, and so we, you know, we'd done a budget based on that. Sure. Right. And then we started exploring that and realizing like, you know what, this is not going to read because if we get um, like vintage prom dresses, they're going to look kind of old on these kids, which doesn't fit with the rest of the costume world of the show. If we build them, it's going to be really expensive. Yeah. So we had to make a decision after we, we were already going into production. We had to make a decision to change the costuming there. And, you know, that that's an expensive decision, but it it's yeah. absolutely worth it, you know, because the Disney recording has what we produced in New York. And that just, the idea of those 80s dresses just wasn't going to work. Uh, and what you have now works really well, you know? Right. So, so part of the process of like making changes, and, and this is the thing with new work, you know, um, Mark and John and I were with the project from the beginning. The fourth producer, Roy, came in for the New York run. Mm. But Mark and John and I are the people who had been there from the beginning. Right. And so we could track, like, creatively. Okay, we already tried this. And that didn't work, right? <gasps> we tried this over here. It doesn't work. Like, that's girl, the- we tried it all. <laughs> yeah. Girl, we tried it all. It's, it really is. I mean, I'm a mom. It's very much like raising a kid. I'm not going to lie, right? Like it. sometimes you're like, okay, this thing has poopy diapers. <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> we got to create that. Okay. We're learning how to walk. Oh, we fell down. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, you know, you you miss out on that a little bit when you come in late in the process. And, you know, everybody's got their own role. Like, Roy really loves taking on projects once he's already seen that they're creatively ready to go. That's yeah. what that's what he does, right? And what I do is I make new work from the zygote. Like I make it from the beginning. Totally. So so if you can track the changes over the, you know, really it took almost a decade. Um then Hopefully, if you're really paying attention, by the time you get to producing it on a commercial level, when it gets really expensive, you you've already kind of nipped the big changes in the bud. Right. 
right? So if you if you rush a show to New York too quick, you're gonna that's gonna be like, oh, okay. The the enormous puppet we built doesn't work. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> that, that puppet cost seventy thousand dollars, just the puppet. You yeah. Know, we've seen some like of those puppet. recently. We see some. <laughs> <laughs> we see some of those on Broadway recently. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um wow. But that's crazy. So, and then of course, like, you know, with the producing and everything like that. So <laughs> not only do you have to worry about, you know, location, where are we putting this thing, uh, raising money, all these things, but you also have to, thankfully you don't have to, I guess you, you were part of the casting of the cast, but you have to cast the creative team. Um, so I, obviously you, you, guys made an incredible team with julianne mcdavis dan collins mark bruni josh uh josh prince josh woods who's josh woods uh josh prince um and um you know and now with truth you you brought on gail burton um who is just a phenomenal writer and historian and all the things like how, how does that process work? Is it like an audition where you're bringing in all these people? Are you simply talking about this uh, and ideas with one another and you kind of see where your ideas align? Like how how, how is that process? Hmm. Well, with Trevor, we, we did an old school audition. Oh my like gosh. producers used to do that. Producers used to audition writers like back in the day. So for Trevor, we did an old school audition. We actually put a call out and we auditioned a bunch of writers. And then we chose wow. Dan and Julianne. We, we, we met all kinds of really talented writers. We had conversations with them. They brought in demo tapes. I mean, they weren't tapes, they were MP3 files, but they brought in demos. <laughs> um, it's like, oh, I just became 90. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and we had conversations with them and then we would listen to the work and then we like narrowed it down to three teams and then those three teams had to do a presentation with us and the underlying rights holders and then we chose dan and julianne wait i'm obsessed yeah that sounds so cool it's very cool that's totally different than gail so you know again every project's different every project is its own process so with gail she and i met in the uh, part-time faculty office at emerson college and we were talking and um I had worked my, the one of the first professional plays I ever choreographed was for colored girls who considered suicide. Yes. And she was talking about it. And she said, did you know that Entezake Shange, the writer of that mentored me when I was a young poet? Wow. I was like, no, I did not know that. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, wow. no, they, they worked together. Wow. Um, And so you know, she, she told me that. And then we had, she and I just got into a lot of trouble at Emerson. That's what we did together. We just like, we're troublemakers. I don't believe it. I'm a troublemaker. It's how it goes. That's what I am. I'm a little wacky, a little neurodivergent and a little bit of a troublemaker. It's just how it, um, so, uh, yeah. So she and I were just like getting into trouble at Emerson and then the pandemic hit And it was like, no, we just happened the way it happened to be at that time. We happened to live a mile away from each other. And so we could meet outside, you know, like in the early days when it was like, you can just like meet people outside. Like you're, it was like, you can't even. I wouldn't know. uh, Oh my God. It was bad. It's all text. It's (laughs) so she and I, she would meet, we would meet outside. Yeah. Go for walks. And so then we just started talking about different projects. Oh. And then, and then when I was working on Trevor, I was like, oh yeah, like what other projects do I want to work on? I want to work on some projects that really focus on women, mm. you know, that our industry is very male dominated, you know, and I'm, I have, uh, um, abolitionists in my lineage and my heritage in my ancestry. And Gail and I often talked about abolitionists and I was like, what if we make a play called truth about Sojourner Truth? Mm. And she was like, she got really excited. Yeah. <laughs> and I pitched that idea to Celicia too, and she got really excited. And so yeah. like, that was just the idea, but ideas come, you know, they come walking through Central Park, they come in the shower, they come when you're hanging out with your pets. I love it. Like, Honestly, like it surprises me with the, with this particular project of truth, 
that like nothing like this exists like i i I don't even know if a lot of this information that i've kind of like uncovered not uncovered but like have come across um is even like public knowledge like not it doesn't seem like it's taught in like history classes or anything like that no i mean the truth (laughs) (laughs) about slavery in our country is that it was the basis of the entire economy. Yeah. And when slavery became outlawed, that it got covered up. Like it got covered up, it got covered up. Really? And so we we know this sort of like stock story, right? And we, and we think of it in a very particular way, like it was in the South, it existed in this particular way. But the truth of it is, it was everywhere. And yeah. it, it existed in lots of different spaces. So it, it's been covered up for, for lots of reasons. It's a it's an inconvenient uh, reality that capitalism is based on the slavery mm. model. You know, our modern American capitalism, it, it, not trade, not money, but modern American capitalism is sort of a hybrid between the structures that were in place in a slave economy and then some things that got carried over from the middle ages from the feudalism right so there you know there was a lot of reasons to cover that up our our constitution says that all men are created equal right but that but black people were considered three-fifths of a person for a very long time and had no voting rights right and women had no voting rights black women yeah exactly right right i mean Eli, I was born in 1979. Women in the United States were not allowed to own a credit card when I was born. So, you know, I'm not saying that to be a big bummer. Right. I actually, I think it's joyful to be like, hey guys, did you know about this? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Yeah. It's just more like, because we have been kind of fed these stories around individualism, right? Like I, on my own, am supposed to be successful, right? The reality is we're interconnected. We're all interconnected. Mm. We we are in relationship. That's what it is to be a human being. And it certainly is what it is to be a theater artist. Right. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I get really excited about telling stories because we're all related. Mm-hmm. you know we're and, all and, human beings <laughs> yes we're all, human all beings. Really yeah and when and when you start looking at the history you know um we're also actually related like right. black white division it's we're all in the mix no doubt it's it's man-made basically the Correct. racism Correct. and everything it's and, just yeah and that's not to say you know it is it is a construct and right. also construct is used for oppression all the time. So I, that's not to say, oh, it doesn't matter. No, it, it really does matter. Um, and that's that's why I'm passionate and excited about this project because it matters. And these abolitionist women were so incredible, right? Yes. It's like under ridiculous circumstances where they like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not doing that. Let's just say the women had bigger balls than I could ever have. <laughs> like, like, let's be real here. Um, just unbelievable, truly. And, yeah, and that's I mean, what I heroic, heroic. Oh, beyond. That's like to say the least. Um, but I love you know this kind of. I I don't know the the title that we've created here with truth. Like I don't know if that like if that doesn't stick out to you i don't know how that even like i don't know what that does to you um but because like it's not just like sojourner truth and it's not even like the life of sojourner truth right Mm -hmm. it's it's you know based on female abolitionists and and the truth behind that um yeah and i I I think what gail's getting i mean and i know you've interviewed her too and some of those videos are going to be up online soon but like Gail's gotten really interested in like, who are these other abolitionist women who nobody's heard of? Yeah. You know, and, and what were they doing? Right. It's crazy. It's uh, unreal. And, and learning all about it and, and 
um, you know, this work just really excites me and I can't wait to see what comes of it. Um, yeah. And and so we have a a crowdfunding campaign launching very soon. Um, and for, for anyone listening, uh, they're able to, to donate and, and, uh, you know, support the project and support this work. So, um, where can, can you kind of point anyone to that? What can people expect from it? Um, talk to us a little bit about that as that's one of the major steps to producing. Yeah. Well, I've never produced with a crowdfund before, so I've learned so much. Oh my gosh. It's really cool. It's 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 been a really great way to build excitement and an audience early on in a process. I've even gotten text messages from people I haven't talked to in years being like, oh my God, I can't, I've been watching your process online. I'm so intrigued. I can't wait to see what you guys make. Oh, it's so sweet. Yeah, it's really sweet. So yeah, so we're, we're in a process of a crowdfunding campaign. Um, And the great thing about crowdfunding is you can donate at any level. So if you have 10 bucks, that's what you want to give, give 10 bucks, my friend. If you have a thousand bucks, we'll take it. You have 5,000 bucks, we'll take it. You have 10,000 bucks, we'll take it. We're good. You have a million, we'll take it. (laughs) We're in. So um, it's, it's just a great way to build excitement, build audience, build engagement because this project really is kind of grassroots to start yeah. and we want people to know about it early you know and mm-hmm. we're and, and as we are creating it you know before we open in any sort of larger venue we're going to be opening in small venues all around and building audience from the ground so yeah. if somebody wants to support us they could just go to truthplay.org that's going to go right to our seed and spark page and you can see how much we've raised so far you can see what we're using the money to do. Mostly we're paying artists, right? We really prioritized paying artists and keeping the other expenses low yeah. so that the creation of this project, and you know, Eli, artists can get taken advantage of all the time. And that's something I, you know, I really care about that as a producer, like not taking advantage of artists. So mm-hmm. um, our budget really reflects paying artists and paying them well. Yeah. And um and we're, you know, we're raising this money to create a workshop production next year so that right. we, can, so in, in the process of creating the play, we can put it in front of an audience. And this would be, you know, similar to some of those readings you talked about with Trevor, put it in front of an audience so we can see what's working and what's not working, what needs to go, what needs to come in, you know, whose story needs to come in now. Mm, that's, totally. that's what this process is about. I love it. Um, and what a cool experience it could be for, for anyone listening to, you know, kind of help out in any way that they can so that they can kind of be like, oh, you know, like I've been a part of this journey and I've supported this journey from the beginning. Um, so everyone definitely go check it out if uh, this is something that is interested in something that you've always wanted to do of like, help out a piece of art or a musical or a play or whatever it may be um because you know all of it goes such a long way so yeah and all of our social media handles are also truthplay.org by the way so yes. you can find them there. Yeah. follow us like us on facebook do, <laughs> do the, the things thing. yes <laughs> invite right. your friends invite, invite your, your friends, friends do the thing That's go right. like the facebook page Y'all, I I will say that Josie has uh, tasked me and a few other associate producers to um, run the Facebook page. So any of your support on that would be greatly appreciated. Uh (laughs) Yes, and Eli doesn't like Facebook, so we're asking him to like the platform that the old people use. You're welcome. (laughs) Exactly. So if, if you like me and you want me to like Facebook and be on that more, then go like the truth page. Otherwise, I'll just keep saying to Josie, it's not worth it. No, I'm just kidding. I would never say that. Um, But yeah, yes, no, I, I love it all. Just go go like us, go follow us. Literally, like even like if you don't want to donate that the followers and, and, and just That's following right. along the journey and the likes and all of that. It honestly, for as much as I hate to say how social media has run our lives lately, it really does help. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally, if you are willing to just reshare the video on Facebook, that, that's a that's a help for us if giving money is not something you can do right now. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, so there's lots of ways you can help us out and support uh, new work and uh, also uh, support communities that stories aren't told uh, often because that's really uh kind of the catalyst between this project so um, totally we're totally. really excited to, to and get it's started. definitely an issue people have been talking about on broadway for sure absolutely absolutely especially and, and you talk i wanted to say this earlier like you talk about how it's such a male-dominated community but especially like behind the scenes like with yes. the producers with the writing yes. with everything um <laughs> directing even um so the fact Correct. that we have three women between you, Salisha and Gail, really spearheading this project. And everyone here listening knows Salisha, loves Salisha. Um, so um, the fact and that two you women of color, are, you know, yeah, three women and two two black women, right? Totally. Like, that's so the fact that y'all are leading the way is is truly remarkable, and um, definitely something that it's hopefully inspires everyone to to follow along and and. Um, share this journey with us um is there anything else that uh you want to like shout out or mention or anything if not you know Josie you obviously you obviously have so much to take a bow for so uh this is Aww, I want to uh, shout out you Eli Tokash absolutely not we're not doing this I'm ending this right now <laughs> <laughs> no I'm just gonna say that you you rock I won't, I won't oh my god <laughs> I won't go <laughs> thank you I know because when we when we had dinner and we talked about like meeting up and doing this um you were literally like and I want to talk about you and I was like we're not doing it then no, I threatened <laughs> to ask you questions but we won't do that <laughs> wait what I totally missed you I said I, yeah I, when we had lunch that day I threatened to ask you questions oh yeah we won't do that <laughs> you can ask me questions but don't don't boost my ego I don't need it <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. Well, I'm I'm psyched to have you on the team. Oh I'm psyched God. to be working with you in this way. And it's just really lovely to have known you since oh you were a youngster ah. and to see you becoming a grown-up and all the different ways that you're getting involved in this industry. It's fantastic. Oh, thanks, Josie. Yeah. Um, you know, it's fun and to have friends like you, it it really wouldn't happen. So um I thank you um so yeah everyone go check out truthplay.org go watch trevor on disney plus do whatever your heart desires and uh, yeah hopefully this uh, like i don't know gave you an inside look into the producing world um inspires you to become a producer hopefully it inspires you to create new work from writing to producing to whatever it may be so um thank you all for listening and josie thank you so much yes so hard. <laughs> hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.